Greetings. My name is Scott Swanstrom, and I am the host of Mind Redefined, Lifting the Stigma Around Mental Health. And today we are having a part one interview with Rachel White, who is with her song. And our conversation is going to be on human trafficking, trauma, and mental health. And so I'd like to uh, introduce you to Rachel White. She is a licensed counselor, VP of Anti-Trafficking Strategy at the Tim Tebow Foundation, president and founder of Her Song, an organization providing safe homes and life-giving programs for survivors of trafficking. Rachel has been advocating for the health and well-being of survivors for more than eight years and led Her Song to open multiple homes creating safe housing for trafficking survivors. Rachel is an alumni of Baylor University, Liberty University, and the Mayo School of Health Sciences in Jacksonville, Florida. She received the FBI Director's Community Leadership Award in 2016 and received other awards for her advocacy for women. She is most proudly a mom of four children and a wife of 30 years. She is in passionate pursuit of a world where every girl and woman is free to live out their God-given purpose. Rachel, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for hosting me. Well, we've been talking about having this opportunity just to hear about her song and how you guys are pushing back the darkness in our community and many other places as well. And it is mandatory that we ask our introductory question. What is one thing that you're celebrating today? Well, for me today, it's daughters. I have three beautiful daughters who are grown and I so enjoy my relationships with them and seeing them thrive in the world and go after their purposes. And so I'm just very blessed to be their mom. Very timely, too, mm -hmm. as we are celebrating this month. So tell us a little bit about Her Song. Who is Her Song? Her Song is really a group of people who are passionately committed to strengthening and empowering women who've been impacted by trafficking. And we do this through a holistic approach to health and well-being, where over time, all needs are addressed in body, mind, and spirit. So with that in mind, we've created these safe homes where women can rest, experience healthy support, heal from trauma, and intentionally move from a survival-based existence to self-sufficiency. And they do this through engagement in a very dynamic process where they're learning to take ownership of their lives. And so over the years, we've developed a network, a national network of shelters that we collaborate with. And we've now served over 1,600 screened human trafficking victims with help and resources. And many of those come from Jacksonville and the Florida area. What would you say are the three most common myths about human trafficking? Well, I had a hard time choosing because there's quite a list because there are quite a few misconceptions. But I think a primary one is just that it's not in my community. I think that human trafficking is happening both in legitimate businesses, such as hotels, restaurants, in farming, in construction, factory work, or individual households even, you know, and it's happening in communities through, you know, pornography, through the commercial sex trade. A lot of people are trafficked through the commercial sex trade. So I think it's happening more so than we would like to believe. And it's a pretty ugly problem. I don't think it's something we want to talk about. And we don't really want to acknowledge that it's real. I think secondly, a lot of people are of the belief that human trafficking equates to being kidnapped or being held in chains somehow or locked in a dog kennel or caged in some way. And while there are many bonds when it comes to a trafficking scenario, not always are they physical. And so sometimes the media sensationalizes things, you know, and we're led to believe certain things. But that's just not always true. 
However, it is sometimes true. So I want to emphasize that. But I think thirdly, that people are being trafficked, are, you know, physically unable to leave their situations. And a lot of times it's more about psychological control. So you have a unique perspective from her song and the women that you are assisting, that you're providing services for, and you're really giving hope to. You are a licensed mental health counselor. How does human trafficking correlate with mental health? I love this question. I think it's important that we discuss this because mental health can be both an after effect of being trafficked and that experience, but it can also be a push factor or a vulnerability, if you will. So in other words, a mental health issue can be what makes someone vulnerable to trafficking or human trafficking itself can create many mental health problems in its victims. So we see co-occurring disorders. Frequently, most of the time we're seeing substance abuse as a means to coping, escaping the pain and the shame and numbing that. We see a lot of PTSD and we see a lot of complex trauma in the ladies that we work with, which is just interpersonal trauma from childhood that is prolonged in nature and has multiplicity. There's multiple traumas and the complexity of that has a compounding effect. In fact, I think the impacts of trauma are one of the most prominent things that we're seeing as a mental health challenge in the work, you know, that we're doing and the aftermath of trafficking, you know, we just see that the body is hurt. The mind is hurt. The spirit is crushed. And we believe that being mentally healthy is just critically important. So no matter the diagnosis, really, we're here to help women access resources in the community, get the help that they need, move forward in vibrant living, you know, not being defined by their deficits, not being defined by a mental health problem, but learning how to manage that in their lives. And so it's real. It's a big issue. And we're certainly seeing it every day. Rachel, is recovery possible? (laughs) I love this question. And when I was taking notes, I want you to know that my exclamation points after yes went off the page. Yes. And this is just this is kind of the the message that I want people to know is that You know, oftentimes trafficking victims are misunderstood, they're marginalized, they're caught in cycles, you know, whether that's the criminal justice system and addiction or all the above and many other things. Healing is possible. And I would love to just share with the audience, you know, a story that demonstrates that. We had, you know, one of our residents that came to us late 20s and had been picked up by an ambulance at a house locally here in Jacksonville, middle-class neighborhood where these men were trafficking her. They had drilled the door shut and feeding her alcohol and starving her. And, And it's just a horrific experience to go through. And, you know, buyers were coming in all night long and they had control over her through starvation and through feeding her alcohol. And that's all she had. And they wouldn't even let her out to go to the bathroom. And this lady, you know, came into our program through a hospital, local hospital. We try to do a lot of training in the community, and we're so honored to be able to partner like that and so great for the victims. And so she came to live with us. And, you know, as we got to know her and things started to unravel a little bit about her life, we learned that her parents had been trafficking her and her younger brother from the time they were about three, four or five years old. And they lived in a little silver bullet camper, no running water, no power, very little food, if any. The parents were addicted to drugs, and they used their children 
They sold their children for sex every night so they could have drugs and have money for drugs. And, you know, she'd been pulled out of her home a couple of times in social services. But I don't think back then we were really aware of all the markers and the signs, you know, of human trafficking and what was going on with these children. And, you know, she left home and you know, definitely marginalized in school, very poor, wore stinky clothes, got in trouble at school because she stunk all the time. You know, she wasn't able to take a shower. She was always hungry. She was falling asleep in class, but she made it away from home. And a teacher helped her get a scholarship to college, incredibly smart woman. And she got a scholarship, but you know, her family problems followed her and, and those mental health issues, depression, anxiety, someone introduced her to alcohol and that felt really good to escape the pain pain that she had, you know, and typical college student getting involved in partying. But, you know, she couldn't get away from the bonds that she had with her family. They drained her of any resources, any good. They were just pulling her back down into a pit. So she joined the military and she was in the military for a couple of years, but then was put on mental health leave. Because again, the aftermath of what she's been through with all of this trauma, all this childhood abuse is depression. It's PTSD. She was minimally functioning. And she came to Jacksonville and ended up homeless. And that's where these two men found her on the side of the road in her car with her dog and her backpack. And they lured her into their home, promising to help her with her car, her groceries, whatever she needed. She could pay them back later, get on her feet. And, you know, to somebody that's that vulnerable and that desperate, that sounds like a really good promise, you know, and of course they abused her, but thankfully she got away. And, you know, she's been in our program for going on about a year and a half now. And during that time, she has gone to college. She has made straight A's, made the dean's list, earned scholarships. She's getting a degree in statistics, has straight A's. I mean, she is so smart. And she got her CNA, which is a certified nursing assistant, and started working in a hospital. So she's now working full time. She's still going to school. You know, she's built a spiritual community around her to support her. She's trying to walk with the Lord and learn about God's love. And, you know, this is just an amazing transformation process for somebody who felt like they were worthless, who were abused by the very people that were supposed to nurture her. And, you know, it's a long journey for healing. It is not a quick fix. There is no 30 days or 60 days or probably even six months in a program. You know, our program is prolonged so that women can at least build a foundation on their life. And this young lady is a wonderful example of what's possible when you have a safe space to heal, when your environment has resources in it to meet your needs, body, mind, and spirit. And when you have kind of this prescribed pathway, you know, to walk on and you can set goals and achieve goals. And then you're like, wow, I did that. You know, I achieved a goal. And then you're more motivated to set another goal. And we just watched this beautiful transformational process happen. And this is something we see every day. I mean, the work that we have the privilege of doing is absolutely thrilling. But I think her story speaks loudly of, you know, the dark side of trafficking, you know, that we're seeing, but also that with the right resources, the right environment, that healing is possible, you know. And so this is something that we're just championing every day, that these women have potential, that they have beauty that's not evident in the moment that they have 
there are hopes and dreams in there somewhere. And it's our job just to create this rich environment that's so supportive and helps them dig in and discover, you know, who they are, what their calling or purpose is, what it is that they want to do with their lives. And then we help them go and do that. So it's an absolute thrill for me to be able to do this work and see women like this transform. I love that because I know it's such a hard service to provide and and you see a lot of hard things from the platform that you're on. So those win stories, those confirmations that this is why we do what we do, it's just great to keep that on the forefront. I love the fact that you use the word transformational. And it is something that is so much bigger and so much more impactful than just behavior modification and behavior management. It really speaks to the whole person. And again, that's why we're talking about this is because a person is complex. There is so much more to a person than just any one aspect of them, whether it's physical or mental or emotional or spiritual. So for our listeners, if a family member or a friend wanted to learn more about the services that are available, where would they find more information? Well, they can certainly call us. We love friends and love to have conversations. And we've had many with parents and loved ones of trafficking victims. But you can also go to our website, hersongjacks.org, and you can learn more about our programs. Victims actually can reach out to us online and fill out a form or they can call us whatever they're comfortable. We have an intake line and we have highly trained staff that are very skilled that we have five or six survivor leaders now on our staff that are trained. They're there to answer the phone. They want to support these young ladies in taking next steps. So I would encourage anybody in the audience that wants to reach out and connect with us and know more about us just to give us a call or check us out on that website at hersongjux.org. Fantastic. Rachel, thank Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for hosting me. 